You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday. It's September 10th. It's 2018. It's episode 328. Jason is there. Rob is here. We're talking about games. That's what we do. It's Building the Game, a documentary podcast. My name's Rob. Jason's there. It's September 10th. It's 2018. It's episode... 328 of Building the Game, a documentary podcast. It's a documentary podcast where me, Rob, and he, Jason, talks about games. Building them specifically. Building games specifically. In fact, you are listening to the 328th episode of Building the Game, a documentary podcast. And you're listening to that if you downloaded it on the day that it's posted on Monday, September 10th, 2018. It's a big day. It's our 328th episode. Whoa! I could keep going for a full hour. Jason is messing with the pop screen, making a lot of horrible, weird sounds. Based on our content in general, you could just do that for an hour. It'd be fine. People would listen. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or not. Uh, but hey, um, you know what you should be doing right now? You should be what searching on Kickstarter and clicking refresh over and over refresh, again. Refresh, refresh, For the next refresh. 48 hours. For the next 48 <laughs> Until the 12th when Into the Black Forest is on Kickstarter. And you hey. Back it, not just on day one, but in the first couple hours. That would be great. It's really helpful as a designer when you do that. So oh. if you could do that, I'd love it. Yep. As Rob I'm, likes to say, we don't have Patreon. Right. We don't have Kickstarters that's for right. our show. Back our games. It makes us real happy. Yep. And you get great games. And that's awesome. Right. Uh, and Best this, way to support us. Right. And this game is uh, is super duper cheap. It is. I'm not going to tell you how much it is because I don't remember for sure. But it's super <laughs> duper cheap and you could super duper buy it. Yep. Or buy seven copies. Yeah. Let me tell you, Jason, right now, right now, while they're listening to this. Right now. Right, I'm, right I'm, about now. Right Okay, now, I am in Utah right now on vacation, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be pulling up my phone, I'll be in Arches National Park looking at beautiful, beautiful natural rock formations, I will be ignoring them, I will be saying, I don't have time for you, nature, (laughs) I need to pull up the Kickstarter app on my phone right now. And back into the Black Forest on the 12th. Yeah, absolutely you do. That's what I'm going to be doing. Sweet, thanks for that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nature can wait. Nature can wait. Hey, don't forget to edit these shows ahead of time. Oh yeah, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. Super important. Yeah, I'm on the ball. And we need that. to figure out where we're gonna, when we're going to record. We need to record. That'd be yeah. good. Yeah. Right. So. We'll figure that out someday. Yeah! Someday, we should do it on lunch one day at work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's easy. People love when we do these shows at lunch because they sound so good. They sound great. Hey, did you play any games lately, Jason? Yes, two of them. <gasps> Wow. I played a crap ton of prototypes as we talked about before, but yeah. So I played two games that I've played one of them before. Uh, mm-hmm. That was Most Wanted mm-hmm. from North Star Games, designed mm-hmm. by three very nice people. Yeah. Uh, whose names escape me? Uh, Dominic, who did Wits and Wagers, uh, uh, who I assume his last name is uh, is uh, Crapuchettis. Crap- Crapuchettes. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't, I, just, I don't know. It's a really long name. If it's Italian, you have to say it with the fingers like pinched in front of you and, and like like emphasizing yeah, yeah. with the crapuchettes. As you would say, that's good podcast. Spaghetti. <laughs> Spaghetti so. marinana. Right. He doesn't have an Italian accent though. So anyways, oh. Dominic's a super cool guy. Uh, Palazzo. Met him, uh, met him last year briefly at Unpub and he was Lasagna. really nice. <laughs> Lasagna. No. It's a me, a Mario. 
hi there. What's one of my favorite things about the movie Inglorious Bastards uh-huh. is them pretending to be Italian. Yeah. And like, you know, uh, yeah. 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 It's great. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, uh, so, so you played Most Wanted? Um, it played Most Wanted. It's good. Uh, with, Still uh, good. With my wife, uh, our friend Ro, and uh, my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was super good. Yeah. Super fun. Everybody caught on Lickety Split. That's yep. what I like about that game. Yeah, it's good. Um, and uh, and then my mom accused um, North Star Games of plagiarizing Gunsling and Ramblers. So, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> she was like, she's like, uh, this game, this is this is Cowboys with poker cards, Jason. Mm-hmm. Didn't you have a game like that? And I said, no. I said I had a game with with that, but it was very different. Yeah. Did they see that game before they published <laughs> this game? And I said. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I said, and if they did, and they were able to take that idea and turn it into this awesome game, good for them because this is way better. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that was just kind of funny. She got real like upset. So <laughs> she suddenly turned into the mom from Everybody Loves Raymond. I don't <laughs> like that, Jason. Uh, but anyways, uh, so we played that, and then and then we played uh-huh, um, uh-huh, five uh-huh. times. We played oh the mind. Ah, everybody's favorite game that I so, don't like. Yeah, so you don't like it. Uh, I get the draw, right? So um, so to to back up Rob's thing about the fact that he hates co-op games because why don't you just cheat? Um, we cheated. Um, so, but it was like, <laughs> hey. so it was, um, it was an agreed upon cheat, right? Um, you, you, one of the things so you if everybody in the, who's playing agrees right. to cheat, then it's not cheating because we all agree to play it a different right. way that's against the rules. It's... We house ruled it <laughs> to cheat. No, so to make um, the game fun, you mean? Right. So the game was was f- uh, so the game was fun, but it was it was like with the group we had. Had we played it just like it says, which you know you get you cards one through a hundred. Everybody knows this game. You put your hand in the middle. Oh, we sync our minds, and then you play right. And at any point you want, you can resync your minds, right? Which to me, that is them telling you some ways you could possibly cheat, right? Um, so what we did was we agreed that when you would put your hand in the middle, um, that shoulder height was, was 50, right? On one through a hundred. And then everyone would adjust their hands based on that. Right. So, so here's the thing. We knew that we were breaking the rules by doing that, but I'll tell you what, the game became even more stressful when you had extra information that wasn't perfect information. Right. Um, so what you should do is you should just write out numbers one through a hundred on a sheet of paper and then just point to what number you have. See, that would not be, that'd be perfect information. That would be unfun. You'd win every time, though. No, but you'd be cheating, Rob. Well, you <laughs> cheated too, Jason. You just said it's we okay were, to cheat. We were bending the rules. But no, so here's the thing <laughs> that game is wicked fun. Um, there's a lot of great strategy to it. I, I would love to see how people would feel about playing that game. Like, like, I would like to know of any groups that legit consistently play that game. By putting their hands in the middle, touching fingers to soak up each other's mind energy, and then just and just do it right. Um, there's because in when you do that, I guarantee you lose. So that tells me that they were feeling like people were gonna bend the rules, right? Like that's how you make the game. Like Hanabi, you don't have to bend the rules to make Hanabi functional, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, with Hanabi. I can tell you what cards you have. You can infer what they are. You can purposely like put the cards um, wherever you want in your hand to help yourself remember. There's no rules against that, right? Um, I was talking to Nicole Amato at Gen Con, um, and she had said that when they play Hanabi, mm-hmm. they have the rule that you're allowed to ask someone, do you know what that card is? 
And if a person says they're, they can say yes, and they can say what the card is, you can't tell them whether or not they're right or wrong, but basically they can tell you that they know whether or not they know what the card is. Right. Um, and she said the worst game she ever played was they played with a magic player who instinctively just shuffled the cards between his turns because uh-huh. that's what magic players do with the cards in their hand, right? Just kind of shuffle them around. Yeah. So she's like, every time we'd say, do you know what this card is? He'd be like, it's a three. And she's like, I hate you. Cause like, like I just told you last turn what the card was. Uh-huh. So anyways, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, that was kind of funny to me. Uh, anyways, what I'm saying is Hanabi, uh-huh. you can play Hanabi straight to the rules, no breaking the rules. And you can, do very well at that game. Mm-hmm. Whether or not anyone could actually win that game, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure people will tell you that their, you know, their grandma's neighbor won one time when they were playing like at a college party, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know that they actually did. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mind, I don't see how you succeed at that game without bending the rules. I just don't. Well, by by reading each other's minds, man. Yeah, by connecting, by syncing up your mind. That's stupid. With the help of the magic space rabbit. But what I what I said to you earlier when I mentioned this game was that really, really, it was hilarious to me. So the very first game we played, I shuffled the crap out of those cards. The cards also come in a randomized order, which is super nice. But I shuffled the crap out of those cards, dealt one card to each player. There were four of us. We managed to play the cards in order. The cards were 11, 12, 13, and 16. The amount of times that you got cards adjacent to one another, or sequential, I guess is a better way to say it, is ridiculous. Like one through 100, there are eight cards in play, and two to three of them are sequential. Like I had said to Rob, if this was a computer game, I would assume it was doing it on purpose. Maybe that's the real trick of the mind is the mm. cards are purposely screwing with you. Maybe maybe that's what the, the, the magic space rabbit is doing. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Uh, I very much enjoyed the game. Uh, it was really stressful in the right kind of way where you're like, but it had a lot of aha moments, right? Yeah, it had a lot of like, yeah, like the people at the bar were like, could you calm down, please? Yeah. Uh, we were at one well. Um, okay. So one well, uh, our local um, our local uh, uh, board game bar yeah. is hosting a uh, hosting a game night where they allow us to bring prototypes in, Fourth drink beer Thursday of yeah. every month, and then people play them, and it's friggin' great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's good. And and I drank beer, and it was cool. Good. Um, and they don't have my beer anymore. The root beer floats out. They yeah. quit making that. They what haven't you, made that in a long time. Honestly, that's not okay. That's not okay. I haven't made it in a long time. You know what they did have, though? They have root beer, right? Which I know you can't drink because it makes your foot feel like it's going to fall off, and that sucks. Yeah. But I had root beer, like four glasses one night, because I went there the next night yeah. with the other people. Root beer float with that root beer. Sure. Magnifico. Yeah. Yeah, the root beer is good, though. Yeah. 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 Chacuterie. Prosciutto. Prosciutto. Yeah. Arrivederci. Yeah. That's good. I feel bad. If anyone's Italian and they listen to this, I'm sorry. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's okay to make fun of Italians. Like that's a thing, right? Like is that okay? Mm, not so much. No. The no. French? I feel like the French that's Oh yeah, totally okay yeah, to make fun okay. of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> hates the French. <laughs> Baguette. Baguette. Croissante. So we get our croissant. Um I played some games too. 
Oh, did you? Well, let's yeah. talk about that. We uh we played we played chapters two and three of the House of Danger. Oh yeah, yeah, man, that game's great. That's the so house much is fun. So dangerous. Yeah, uh, Christine and I and uh, her sister, uh, uh, we we kind of got her up to speed on chapter one, mm-hmm. and we played chapters two and three, and it was it was just fantastic. What a ridiculous, silly, fun, goofy, enjoyable, awesome. good time, man! It. It is exactly the kind of thing that I like. Um, I'm having so much fun. So we we agreed that her sister has to come over again soon so we can finish the game. Because we're not going to finish it without her now. She's invested. Right, right, right. She's right. in it. Um, and we played uh, Dragon's Horde again. Uh, and I liked it better this time. Um, oh, good. Knowing what I was getting myself into. Uh, and I, I did, I like it. I liked it better the second time. It's still, it's still not really my thing. It, it, this time, it, there were just some cards that I just didn't use because I... I just didn't care, but they weren't worthless because every card can be used as some kind of resource in some way. Right. They weren't necessarily wasted, but it, it meant it, that it meant to me that they were weren't that the you know the face of the card was it was basically just a wasted card and a dead card in my hand because I didn't like the way they used it. And and oddly enough, uh, my wife and her sister also didn't use those cards. So that means they those cards just sucked. Those cards were bad, right? The, Stupid cards. We hated them. Not, not bad, but it's just not the game we want to play. Right. You know? Anyway, um, but but uh, the rest of it is fun. The art is really, really charming and, and cute. Um, so anyway, so that's okay. Uh, we played a three-player game of Dude. Dude. And we had fun with that. Dude, I I don't think I want to play that game with less than four. And I think I think five to six really is your is your Five sweet to six spot. has to be the sweet spot with that. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Um, in three, it worked, but we got down to a point where two of us had one card left and we didn't match each other. And it was really just sort of, you know, the, the third player was deciding, was who, deciding who they want to go with and then count up points. And we ended up tying. And dude. So, dude, 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 dude. Um, but it, yeah. So anyway, so I think with, with, with a bigger group, that game is, is really cool. And I, yeah. So yeah. I look forward to playing with that more, playing that with more. Uh, so those are the big things. We uh, we play tested uh, item shop at that board game night. Yeah. Uh, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and that went well. You played with three other guys, um, yes. and they had a lot of good feedback. Right. I don't know if you had any other thoughts since then. I destroyed them. Oh yeah, you did. You had played before. <laughs> it was clear I'd played before. Yeah, right? yeah. So and also just kind of got lucky. And you, the the way that I won, you're gonna fix that. You yeah, already said yeah, that. Yeah, that set was worth too many points. Yeah, and I scored. I just got lucky and found a set. Yeah. that I was able to get everything for on turn two. Right, and it basically was my entire first two turns. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was even if you if you fix the pricing, even if that had happened, mm-hmm. I may still have won, but it wouldn't have been because of it would that. have been a lot tighter. Yeah. And to be fair, if you had taken that away and even made it a more reasonable number, I would have won, but it would have been real close. Yeah. But I mean, again, I I know you know like I've played the game a couple times and sure. I was terrible at first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started to pick up on, oh yeah, yeah, this is this is the thing, right? And yeah. um, and I actually... Uh, I'm still I, tuning that, too. Right, yeah. right. Oh, no, no, no. But I, I liked it the first time, mm-hmm. but I really liked it the second time. It was Good. much more fun the second time, Good. only because, first of all, you've made some tweaks. Yeah. I think it helped a lot. Um, because there was a couple of things that I thought were kind of boring, and you had cut those. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so the whole game flowed very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and was... Yeah. Uh, 
no, it's that's that's a good game, man. It's it's a lot yeah. of fun. So yeah, and it's it's fitting into that same sort of light year range that that Sloon Tycoon is in, right? Right. right. Then that's that's kind of my comfort zone. Like if if I'm right. not going to make some kind of silly lightweight thing, then I want to then I like being in that area. Right. Right. Light, right. Lightweight right. Euroy. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. The lightweight Euro is 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 my puzzly card game. Like that is to you. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's right. that's kind of where we both fall. Yeah. What, what's interesting is when we first started designing. I was trying to design bigger, yes. crazier things, and you were trying to design right. more lightweight things, and then we right. kind of flip-flopped. We did. It's weird so, how that happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like I was able to take like the complexity that I was I would struggle with too much complexity, mm-hmm. so I would break it down into something smaller, and now I've finally gotten comfortable with that, and mm-hmm. I think you probably had the opposite, right? Which you were comfortable with these simple ideas, mm-hmm. but then as you designed more, it was like, oh, wait, no, I'd rather have this be more complex, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of built on that, because yeah. your games still have the same type of feeling like they still feel like a rob couch joint as they say mm-hmm. but you know like they're they're bigger sure so, yeah yeah well yeah i don't mean that it's a bad thing it's no no thing. that's good yeah i appreciate so, that yeah it's not like oh it's another rob right. couch game but, oh. yeah but like likewise you you were early on excited about complexity right right, right and right. and you've managed to pack that complexity into some some smaller compact experiences right right, right. That's yeah. my that's my hope. Yeah, um, so. and sometimes I still struggle with that. Sometimes I still it's tough. You're on yeah. the side of well, and I think you have the same issue, right? Sometimes you're on the side of too simple. Yeah, and sometimes you're on the side of little too complex for me, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, because yeah. I think even like item shop is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. That scaled back a little bit, where Saloon Tycoon actually scaled up a little bit. Uh, it started a lot bigger and then pulled way back and then kind of rebounced. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was sort of a, an up and down on that. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. right, right. Until it until it narrowed in with where it is. Right. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I also uh, have been working on Hardpoint. Uh, I have added miniatures and a map, and we're gonna play test that tomorrow. We are, and I'm excited about your feedback on that. Um, uh, adding miniatures and, and taking that first crack at it. Christine and I just tested that the other night. Um. It instantly made the game better, uh, instantly. That's possible. Like right away. Like I was, I, I we got through like three turns, and I was like, man, this is a much better game than ever before. Um, Good. And and so so I'm excited that it's sort of becoming it's sort of becoming I, like I like minis games, uh, like BattleTech, right? That was of course always the original inspiration. I like minis games, but I don't like the investment. I don't like how right. long it takes to play them. I don't want to have to keep buying stuff, right? So I like that this could actually end up being like the minis game that I've wanted for the last 20 years. Right, right, right. You know, this this small, you buy one box and you've got the whole game right there. And and it's easy to pick up and get into. And you can play a satisfying strat- minis uh, strategy combat game in under an hour and feel like you played a whole mission. And that's really that's cool, cool to me. So, um, yeah, so... Still very pleased about that. Again, uh, there, there were some new problems that came up from that, and and uh, and I have I have a good. I think I tweeted this too. I, new problems popped up, but it was clear to me where to go and what to do with those problems and what the next steps are. So that's what we'll be testing when we play soon here. Cool. All right, we're uh, we're uh, being long winded. Very long winded. Yeah. yeah, we were going to talk about a topic here, and I, I uh, we can probably kind of keep this short i also have a short pitch after that cool but um um i was talking with with adam uh and adam i apologize i'm probably gonna get your last name wrong but it's i think it's rayberg i think i think that's how it's pronounced anyway uh i don't know yeah Roberga. 
No. Um, Adam Erberger. Adam is the uh, is the founder of Adam's Apple Games. Adam's Apple Games. Where did he get that name from? Uh, can't it's, imagine. It's a joke. Know. He must really like apples. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. uh, he's designer of Bruin USA and yeah. co-designer of Sword Crafters and Truck Off, I think. Those are their three titles. Truck Off. Still haven't managed to get... Uh, I bought a Sword Crafters at Gen Con. I haven't gotten that to the table yet. I'm waiting. It's so good. It, yeah. I, uh, we're uh, having my, uh, my niece and her uh, folks over this weekend, so I think... I will probably try and get that out for her. We'll mm-hmm. see how she does. She's five, four and a half now. Might be a little too young for it. I don't know. She can just hold the sword. Yeah. Or is she five? No, she's five and a half now. She's five. Wow. Jason, she's five and a half now. Way to be good at ages. Wow. Oh, boy. I'm a terrible uncle. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so so I was talking with Adam and uh, just kind of about, um, about you know, test and tuning and, and flavor and, and the subject of take that came up in that conversation. And, uh, and, how, and how I said, you know, hey, when I, when I did this and I liked it, but I got this feedback from people saying, ah, I want less take that take that in this game. And then I played with right. this other group and they said, Oh, more take that, more, more take, take that. that. Right. And, and, and he, he made the comment. He said, you got to think a lot about, um, about not just, you know, every playtester is going to give you different feedback, right? But you also need to think a lot about the environment in which they're doing this playtest and, and the relationship within the group of, of playtesters. Uh, and, th- and the example, uh, in this context was, um, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing a game that has, has take that in it, and the group of people playing the game all know each other and all friends and are all comfortable with each other. They're probably really going to get into that and enjoy the take that because they're really going to enjoy atta- attacking each other, right? But if you're playing the same game with a group of people who don't know each other and are not comfortable with each other, they're going to shy away from that and they're going to feel awkward attacking each other. And that's not true for every people, every, every people, for every person and every player, you know. You know, the people who go to conventions and things where we do this sort of playtesting, Unpub is a great example, often are people who are very comfortable in those environments, right? Right. But but um, the message there was, was think about the, that context and think about um, how that environment can have an effect on a playtester's feedback and that playtester's experience. Right. And that was that was a really, really fascinating perspective on that, that I hadn't thought about before. Uh, and so I thought we could talk today about um, uh, about understanding not just the value of specific feedback we talk we should talk about a lot and we, how to understand what's good feedback and what's bad feedback, but also to to, to think about how the environment in which the playtest is being done uh, can have an impact on the type of feedback you might be getting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a really yeah. When you first mentioned that, I was like, wow, that is really smart mm-hmm. right um gosh it, it it's something that we like it's something you like you wish i would have known that a long time ago <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right 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 right. so i i've been after having a conversation with him i've been thinking about i mean the most the easiest thing to try to apply this to i think has been my experiences at unpump events you know mm-hmm. because that's when you get the widest in least in, in my experience i've gotten the widest array of feedback from the widest array of people individuals right and uh, and it was interesting to me to see people play a game, you know, run run the same game twelve times in a day, and you know, one group is clearly four people who know know each other and are really good friends. Another group are four complete strangers who are all there alone and are just looking for anything to play with anybody. And um, and we've talked before about how 
if there's one guy who starts out the conversation negative, then everybody's going to follow suit, right? Yeah, and, and that's a big problem. Right, and if there's one guy who starts the feedback super, super positive, then people are going to try and follow suit there, right? They're going to follow the right. leader, you know? Right. Um, uh, and, and that's something we talked about before. Um, uh, so, so thinking again about um, that environment, and uh, I'm trying to, I'm struggling here. Um, like, like Saloon Tycoon had some take that in it, right? Mm-hmm. Which I got some flack for. Yeah. That, that once it got to reviewers and, and got out there in the world, reviewers said, I don't want to take that. I don't want to take that. I want, I want the multiplayer, single player multiplayer game. I, right. And a lot of reviewers said that that was the thing they didn't like about it. But man, did, did playtesters enjoy it? And, and I think right. at Unpub, certainly with my, with my local group, with us playing that stuff, because everybody knew each other, um, yeah, people seem to enjoy kind of kind of screwing each other a little bit and stealing cards and things. And that happened a lot at, at Unpub. And I don't think I ever got a piece of feedback from somebody at an Unpub event saying, I don't, I don't, I feel bad stealing this stuff from this guy or I'm never going to use this card because it, because, because of whatever, right? Right. Well, because against their friend, I mean, when you think about who's playing at Unpub, usually you don't get solo people. And if you do, right. like if you play a four player game and even if you are one of the players, it might be you someone no one knows and two people that came together. Right. And most of those people are totally comfortable screwing each other over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know what experiences you've had. Yeah. You know, um, so I don't, if I design a game that has take that in it, I want the whole game to be take that. Right. Mm. Like I generally don't put a ton of like on real estate has a little bit of take that in it. But it's all self-serving, take that, right? Like, it's like, I'm going to steal a card from you because I specifically know you have what I need, not yeah. because I'm being a dick, right? And that's yeah. the difference to me between, between a let's say, a take that game and an opportunistic game, right? Um, where I'm going to screw you over, but mostly it's because it's it's more about me, it's less about you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and with Saloon Tycoon, I think that was the case, but... I don't remember exactly all the take that in that game, but yeah. Um, but I think that the balance of those things is trying to figure out was, does it feel mean or does it feel, you mm-hmm. know, opportunistic? Right. Um, I don't, I don't particularly care for mean take that. Yeah. Um, uh, but for, gosh, for play testers. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of something different to say about this. Cause I agree with that. Right. Mm-hmm. That revelation. Um, but I don't know. In general, I guess I'm struggling to sure, sure. come up with a different example of how, you know, how that has an effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I think what's interesting is um, you could get a bunch of friends that know each other who don't like take that. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, like us gamers playing games with each other, we enjoy a little bit of, you know, like screwing each other over. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um so maybe that's just a game player thing in general. Maybe. Um, but again, there's that uncomfortability level, right? Mm-hmm. So, so, and I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. And, and so I, I guess just sort of, because again, we, we did a lot of rambling at the start of the, uh, start of the conversation, um, maybe to kind of kind of put a button on, on kind of where I'm sitting with this idea right now. Um, it, it, so my, my thoughts are about, about, and, and this is something we have talked about before about about keeping in mind and keeping in your heart what your vision for the game is you know and if you are if you want to make a take that game um then do that 
and know that sometimes you're going to have people play it who don't like that kind of game. And just because they don't like that doesn't mean you need to change your vision for what the game is. It means that the game is not for those individuals, right? And if your if your vision is to to not have that at all, to have it all be, you know, single player multiplayer game, then then leave that out. And and if people say, "Gosh, I wish there was more player interaction in this." You don't have to listen to that. Uh, it means maybe this game is not for those specific players. And so so it's about it's about listening to feedback and understanding feedback, understanding that it can be valuable valuable to you, but also understanding that sometimes sometimes while the val- that that feedback is valid and important to the people giving that feedback, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to change your game and change your intentions for the game to to fit what those people wanted. Um, right. And that's sort of kind of where I've landed on that. I do think though, I agree with that, but I do think it's worth being cognizant of the type of game you're making and whether or not take that is part of that that style of game in general, right? Sure, yeah. Euros not known for their take that No, true, right. Um, which very well could be a reason why Saloon Tycoon, as a lightweight well, Euro, right. caught some crap. For it, it does present itself as as a Euro, right? And 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 I think to mo- to a large degree it is, but it it being light, it sort of it, ideally it kind of bridges that. And that's right, a lot of what right. Van Ryder does, is right? They try and right. bridge that gap between Euro and thematic, and and theme is super super important to to, to what they do. Uh, and and so and I think a lot of people maybe expected it to be more on the Euro side and not to try and bridge that so much. Um, right, right, yeah. right, right. That's a good point. Cool. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on the subject. It's, yeah, I know we didn't have like a astounding conversation about it, but it's worth the revelation for people to think about. Like, yeah, your playtesters' experience as a group of people that know each other, and I've thought about that in a context before, but never like that, to yeah. where it may actually fundamentally change how they feel about some mechanics in your game. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, okay. Moving on, I'm going to pitch a game. Um. So this is kind of abstract. I'll tell you right now. I'm I'm thinking of it as sort of a, a thematically um, as some kind of some kind of a game about choreographing a dance. Um, I, beyond that, I'm not really sure what to do with it with the theme. But but structurally, I can I can explain what I've got here. Uh, and I've talked about probably too much now on this show. I've talked about how much I like the terrifying girl disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all tired of hearing about that, <laughs> and uh, and I'm just enamored by the that mechanic they have for how you get more cards, where you lay out twelve cards in a circle on the table, and then every player has a little kind of selection card that they say, "I'm I'm going to take this card," and all cards clockwise around the circle until the next right. player puts their card in. You're basically like Josh Mills wanting to steal a mechanic, except for he doesn't talk about it till afterwards. Yeah, I'm just I I I have. I'm not a liar and I don't like to hide things like Joshua Josh Mills does. Oh my gosh, that guy. Yeah. Um, I try to be upfront about things when I steal it. Yeah. 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 He tells you afterwards, you bought my game. Oh, you'll like it. It's like this game that I stole it from. Right. Yeah. I just took these two different mechanics and combined them together and didn't actually try very hard. So there's, there's 92 cards in the deck. We've got, Mm -hmm. um, we've got 88 base cards. We've got, uh, and we've got four cards. So it's two to four players. And then we've got four cards. We're going to call it dancer cards where the, this is, this is the dancer that the player represents. Okay. Right. All right. All right. Uh, so these cards, we've got to break down. So the cards are numbered one, two, three, four, five, six. That's, that's the, the number of the card that also equals their point value. 
um, thematically each of these each of these cards would correspond with some kind of a dance move or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, moonwalk, electric slide. I don't know. I'm not. I don't know these things, right? Mostly moonwalk. Mostly moonwalk. But each each of these is a different a different move theoretically. Okay. Um, but they don't have an equal distribution, right? Uh, so the 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 one cards is thirty of those. The two card there's twenty four. The three card there's twelve. The four card there's ten. The five card there's seven. And the six card there's five. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so what you do is you shuffle up the deck. You deal everybody seven cards to start with, uh, and then you lay out twelve cards in a circle face up on the table in the center of the table. All right. I didn't see that coming. I literally just explained it, it a minute was, ago. It was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, and then everybody everybody inserts their dancer card uh, uh, or puts it on top of one of those cards. And again, you're you're choosing when you put your your dancer card on top of one of those those twelve in the circle. You're saying I'm going to take this card for the next round, and and you uh, the next player uh, then puts their card in. They cannot put it next to another dancer card. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, you have to give it a little bit of space. So everybody's going to get at least two cards. Right, and then you take the the card that you'd have your dancer on, uh, and then all cards clockwise around the circle until you run into another dancer card. But you don't take those cards right away. You wait till the end of the round to take those. Okay. Okay. All right. So then, what you do is you have to put down two cards from your hand face up in front of you, and that's the start of your choreography. Okay. And any two cards you want doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, you put those two cards down, and then then after everybody's done that, you score, and you score face value of those cards. Okay, so if you put down two ones, you get a one and a one, that's two points. Put down a six and a six, that's 12 points, pretty cool. All right, then you take, pick up the cards from the center. Uh, new round, you put out 12 more cards, people people choose their cards to start. And now, second round, you have to put down three cards from your hand onto the table, okay? Uh, and then you score those cards. And then you pick up cards in the circle. But here's where it starts to get tricky. Uh, you can just put down any three cards you want, and you're going to get face value for those cards, and that's fine. Okay. But if you can if you can copy the same sequence from the first round in the second round, then you get to score the first round a second time. So if it was like a five and a six, and then you do five, six, three, you're going to score the five and a six again. Right. Okay. Right. So you're going to get you're going to get face value for the new set you played. Plus, you're going to score the first set a second time. Okay. Okay. And and you do that basically for five rounds. Until you've put down do a they, set of... Do they have to compound? Can I, on the third round, could I, for the first time, play back to the first round? So so a third round, if you put down five, six, three, four, then you'd be able to score all three again. Right, but I'm saying if I didn't, if I missed round two, so I play five, six the first round, I play seven, eight, two the third, the second round, uh-huh. and the third round I can play five, six something again, do I get credit for the five, six again? No. Okay. No, if you Aren't break, are you worried about a runaway problem with that? Like, well, I don't know yet. I haven't tested. I mean, it yet. my biggest I mean, fear of that is in round th- four. If you did that four times and I yeah. haven't done it once, I'm definitely, obviously, going to lose big time. Well, that's why I have the distribution distribution so low. Um, you know, so that's why the five and the six cards. There's only seven cards that are worth five, and only five cards that are worth six. Right. So the the likelihood that you'll be able to carry that through for the whole game is pretty slim right um and the lower scoring cards are the ones that are more likely to find i mean i realistically i don't know right i'm not sure i, I just kind of think it's neat the idea that like i know mean, you haven't even played tested so i'm not trying to change yeah. the game yet but i'm just saying it seems kind of neat like and thematic that that combo using mm-hmm. that combo to start around anytime mm-hmm. 
should earn you points because it's a callback to that combo of the dance, right? So anytime I can put the same two cards in order that started a previous round Mm -hmm. to start a later round, I should be able to score that. And if I could, your scoring still works because if I did five, six, five, six, five, six, I'm going to score it three times. That's true. So it just would be less likely to get a runaway leader problem. Yeah. Or have the game be not fun on turn three because three pe- four people are playing and one person did that and no one else did. Right. And you know they're going to win. Yeah. Right? That's a good point. So just a thought. Yeah. So yeah, that's an excellent idea. Yeah. Right. right. In fact, it could even be if you wanted to make it more crazy, it could be start or end. So because the idea is you're doing these these moves, right? These yeah. combos. These recurring you're themes do five in your combos, dance. right? Yeah. So if it can start or end with the same, an ending like doesn't really matter for the first round because right? mm-hmm. it's the start and end right but right. that second round now like if i could copy it i don't know maybe mm-hmm. i'm making it too complex but i do think it's worth exploring the idea You're right that, yeah and here's a cool thing you could do it both ways <laughs> with the deck you're making yeah, right yeah sure so that's the nice part is you yeah. could you could you could even while playing score it both ways and see what made more sense mm-hmm. right that's true so, yeah yeah, and so I just to, to finish finish the flow of that sorry, off. Sorry, about yeah, that's fine. But, I mean, you do the circle and you take the cards four times. And in the fifth round, you're not going to draw any more cards, and then the deck's empty, and then you just make whatever combo you can with the cards you have left. So that should play what fifteen minutes? I, I think so, less? depending yeah. on how much AP somebody has. Yeah. But but yeah, I think it would be fairly quick, fairly simple. Um, that's the core idea. But I, yeah, I like your points because then then if you if may, maybe with that first two card combo you say you're kind of setting the thematically saying this is this is the theme for my dance right and anytime i can recall that i get to score that again right maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then yeah so so then by the time if you get to, to your five card combo if you can connect that with your two card theme from the first round and your three card theme from the second round then you could scroll that stuff again right eventually right. yeah because what you could basically say is your themes are your combos, right? right? And the combo is the whole round, right? Yeah. So the first round, it's a two-move theme. The second round, it's a three-move theme, right? Right. Um, yeah, that's yeah, actually, yeah. that's probably better. It just, it sounds more balanced. It does, right? Yeah, and yeah. it sounds, frankly, a little more thematic, right? Yeah. Because if somebody's doing cool dance moves and then they repeat some of those moves, you're like, oh, it's those cool moves again, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, and then, but it's also then maybe less fearful to break a combo. Right. Because if you don't right. have to, to chain all the cards, if you can just connect two or three of them, it makes a little a little less intimidating. Right. Plus it also like let's say I have a five and a six the first round and that's my best option, so I put it down. Yeah. Second round I don't have it, so I break the combo. Right. Third round, boom, I get it back. And I'm like, ah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I could just use it again. Right. Sweet. Right. That's good. I, so, I do I maybe I like that a lot better. So now that I'm thinking about it. But I mean your scoring still works mm-hmm. in that, right? It just that's even better if you can pull that off. Yeah. So. Right. So yeah. Right on. Anyway, cool. so I don't know. It's, yeah, I'd it's, love to try that, though, because I, yeah. I like the Terrifying Girl Disorder, except for the couple things that, that didn't land well, and it sounds like this would not be a problem with that. So Yeah, it, well, yeah. It, terrifying Girl just has so much potential for AP, and, yeah, and, and I just, don't think this would happen. You can't really predict what's going to happen at all. Yeah, so like, it's completely unpredictable. Like, yeah. I could even know the cards in, you ha- in your hand and still not have any idea what was actually going right. to happen when you played them, Right, and you may not know either. Right. I've played cards in that game and then been like, wait, did I? Oh, it does this. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that. Oh, that actually was really mean. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can be really, really mean and nasty to somebody else right. without even intending to. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Intended to. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, and I've talked a lot before about, you know, how I like to get one thing on Game Crafter every year that I do just for myself. I'm kind of feeling like if this works, it might be the thing that I do. Cool. In the next. It's a great idea. 
you know, before Grand or before Gen Con of next year. How many cards were in the deck? Eighty-eight total. Wow, it didn't sound like that many when you were talking about it, but yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so that's basically it. Let's see. I think we have a couple of t- Twitter questions. Um, first one is from uh, Joshua Josh Mills. He oh, says, speak of the devil. How do you successfully self play test? Um, that's a great question. Yeah, I, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, um, so that is a skill. That is a skill that some yeah. people have that amazes me because I don't know how they do it. Um, because I, um, like, I think I'm better at like play testing in my head, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, but still, when we sat down and played Feast for Pharaoh, even though I'd went through it in my head two dozen times the first time, yeah, terrible problems I did not predict on literally turn one. And like, it's sometimes it's hard to do that, right? Yeah, it is, right? right. Like, I, I did that a little bit. I ran through a little bit of that with, uh, what did I do that? I think it was with Item Shop in early stages where I just kind of sat down and I moved some stuff around and said, what would happen if I did this? What would happen if I did that? And that was really, really beneficial, but it wasn't playing a game. It was really just kind of seeing how does this interact with right, that, right, right, you know? Right. Um, and it felt super awkward and I, did, I haven't done it again. Right. So. Well, that's yeah. And the most I've done recently is the that um, cube placing game that I was. We're going to play test on Friday. Like I try, I got it out. And I started putting cubes down. And I was like, "Oh, this sucks. Mm-hmm. I hate this." But we're going to play that way and just see how it goes, and then I'll yeah, make that yeah. tweaks on the next iteration. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so I don't know, Josh. If you can figure that out, let us know. Uh, one other question here. This is from Dano. Uh, any trucking games out there? Maybe with a board, highways, destinations, long haul, short haul, package contracts, different types of loads, breakdowns, fuel prices, efficiency of new versus old truck, build a fleet or owner operator. Everything we buy been on a truck. Is, does he have a Kickstarter game with all those things? I feel like maybe that's the case. No, <laughs> no, he does not. They, they, uh, full disclosure: this is actually my brother. Oh, yeah, who who replied to this? He might like Great Heartland Hauling Company. Yeah, right. That's the 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 one closest to our hearts. Great Heartland Hauling. Uh, it, it doesn't have that all that complexity. It's pickup and deliver. Right. It's it's good. It's real good. Yeah, but it does have prices being manipulated and stuff. Yeah, and, uh, right. So maybe you when have to he, think about gas. Yeah, maybe when uh, he comes over for dinner this weekend, I'll pull out Great Heartland Holland and yeah. we can play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's probably opportunity for a bigger game there, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe he can be about delivering soda. Ooh, <laughs> that's a neat idea. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, Great Heartland Holland. Uh, there's probably other trucking games out there, do you think? I don't know. There's plenty of other trucking games out I, there. There must be. Dozens of I them. I have no idea what they would be. Right, but there's literally dozens. There's got to be. There's yeah. got to be. Yes. I don't know. Builders, tell us what trucking games are out there. Oh, tell us all about them. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. All right. Okay. And that's going to do it for uh, at Podcast BTG tonight. At podcast I mean, BTG. building the game of documentary podcast. <laughs> Our Twitter is at podcast BTG. Jason is that J.A. Slingerland. I'm at poorly underscore designed. Uh, you can send us an email to building the game podcast at gmail.com. Our website is building the game podcast.com. You can call our Google voice number 770 hotel BTG. Don't forget to back into the black, into forest, the black forest on Kickstarter on the 12th. Only a couple of days away, ladies and germs. Get on that. Do it. Do it. Hey. 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 Do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and whatever. You guys know how this goes. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, have a great everything. Have a great life. Have a great 
Have a great night. Have a great morning. Have a great dinner. I hope you had something good for dinner when you last had dinner. Hope you had something that was tasty and healthy, you know? Healthy, good for you, delicious. Don't forget your fruits and veggies. It's important. Also, brush your teeth. It's important. Floss, all that stuff. Mouthwash is good, too. <laughs> good night. Arrivederci. <laughs> I was literally waiting the whole time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. I'm going to be in Utah when we're supposed to record our next show. Utah. Yeah, so. Why are you going to Utah? Because there's a lot of beautiful scenery there. Oh, like Moab or something? We are going to Moab. Yeah, well, that's where you go, right? Yeah, going to Canyonlands and Arches. Among other places. The place we talked about going at some point someday. It's out west. We like out west, right? Yeah. We want to go somewhere out west. Yeah. Always. In high desert. It's it's that's that's the high desert. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it's it's, basically like the normal desert, but it's it's higher. Higher elevation. Yeah. It's the high desert. Yeah. It says hi everybody. Right. It's like it's like super high (laughs) desert. Because we're going to Colorado, man.